Good morning. I'm the lucky one that gets to start here. Uh, my name is Brian Watkins, and I'm the principal at Claymont Middle School. And um, I have my assistant principal, and they'll introduce themselves, our school counselor and our um, mental health counselor with us today. And what, what we're going to do, since you're going to be hearing from three different schools, um, we're going to go about 15 or 20 minutes each, and then we'll leave some time at the end for questions if you have any. We're going to focus, Claymont, we're going to focus more on what we're doing in our building. Um, the other schools are going to focus a little bit more about district-wide. Um, so again, my name is Brian Watkins. I'm the principal at Claymont Middle School. And I'm not going to read all these questions to you, but I'm sure at some point in time you have asked some of the students um, in your building questions like this, or you have heard other teachers ask students questions like this. And it's just now in the last year or two at Claymont, we've really focused on getting away from some of those questions and, and, and asking the question more of, um, what can we do to help you? Is there something that we can do? What do you need? Um, we really take pride in sitting down and talking to the kids and, and finding out what's going on in their lives or what isn't going on and, and trying to fill in some of those empty spots. Um, you know, we think kids are going to be able to leave the baggage at the door, um, and that the fact of the matter is it's just not going to happen. As adults, we probably have trouble doing that, you know, when we're coming to work every day as well. So it's, you know, it's definitely going to be as hard or harder for the kids also. I'm just going to go through a little bit about our district. Uh, we are Claymont City Schools. We have about 1,800 students, 1,873 to be exact. Our buildings are broken up. We have a preschool, a primary, elementary, and intermediate. We are the middle school, and then we have a high school. 42% of our students are economically disadvantaged. So um, our school actually receives a grant that every single student in our district receives free uh, lunch or breakfast because of our high numbers of students that are economically disadvantaged. We have 18 uh, about 18.4% students with disabilities. One of the things, and we have a very um, helpful superintendent, and he's here today with us. Um, he is using some of our student wellness money, and we're going to be a leader in Me District next year, um, which we're really excited about um, having that opportunity in our district. So that's one thing that we are going to be doing district-wide to address some of the social-emotional needs. Um, but building-wide, um, this year, our, our staff is working on a book study called Fostering Resilient Learners. If you haven't um, read that book, it's definitely a book to get on your list of must-reads for educators. Um, and it's just about creating a trauma-sensitive uh, trauma classroom. And again, I, just, I have a quote here. Uh, Children with mental health issues are not required to obtain professional mental health services, but they are legally obligated to attend school. Thus, school is the one place where we are guaranteed access to our trauma-affected children. Our students need us to create a trauma-sensitive learning environment for them. And like I said, in the last year or two, we've really um, been pushing that at Claymont Middle School. And the, the ladies that I have here with me today are going to go over some of the things that we are doing in our building to address these needs. Thank you. Okay. Hi, I am Michelle Henry. I am the assistant principal at Claymont Middle School. And um, they basically had to bring me here kicking and screaming because I don't like to be in front of large crowds, but here I am. So 
one of the things with being an assistant principal, I'm in my seventh year in our building in that role as dean of students and assistant principal. And in my first couple of years, I thought everything had to be black and white. If a kid said the F word, they get this punishment. Well, there's different situations. For instance, a kid that's um, going through some things at home, a little girl at school whose mom's just been locked up again in prison for about the third or fourth time. She's been waiting to get home to her mom and she explodes and says the F word. It's probably because there's something major going on. Instead of throwing her in suspension, we've really been looking at um, how we can deal with some of that trauma that she's going through. So not just her, I mean many of our students, as you guys know, but um, so we're looking at alternatives to suspension. Um, one of the big things that we've uh, we really pride ourselves on is our um, referrals to the guidance office and to our mental health therapist, Mrs. Urban. Um, sometimes they just need to get their emotions off their chest with Mrs. Monticelli, our counselor, and other times we find out that there's something deeper going on, and so we will do some intake work with um, Mrs. Urban, our therapist, and get them some more intense therapy services because a, sitting in a day of ISS or OSS isn't really going to fix what's causing the problem. There's something much deeper. One thing I like to do in my office are behavior goals. Um, I had a little boy the other day come in my office. He went from Columbus City to a school just north of us. Now he's with us, and he came in my office. Well, he stopped me in the hallway. He says, I need to talk to you. And I said, okay, come on in. So he comes in. I said, what's going on, buddy? And he said, nothing. I just like being in here. It makes me happy. And I'm like, oh. So I feel like that is, you know, where the assistant principal's office is usually where you're going to get in trouble. That's not what it is I don't feel anymore and we're trying to incorporate more of the positives too so um, some things I do are I like to spell out letters with some of our kids that don't get to um, do do things my kids get to go out to eat all the time but we have kids that have never been out to eat so I'll set up behavior goals with them and they'll spell out say Arby's on the back of my door with post-it notes and if they get in trouble in the classroom, I'll rem they'll come in, they'll remove an A, and they'll say, okay, now you only have the R, the Y, you know, the R, the B, the Y, the S left, or we won't get to go to Arby's by this goal date. And um, that's worked with a lot of our kids who are struggling. Um, attendance goals, as you know, a lot of times kids with attendance problems also, they, they're sometimes the behavior and things go hand in hand. So we set up a lot of different attendance goals. One of the ones we're working on now, our kids love Polar Pops from a local gas station. Um, I don't know what it is, but if you tell them they're working for a Polar Pop, they, they're, they'll stop in my office and ask, how, how am I doing my attendance goal? I've only missed one day. I'm almost there. I still have that post in my locker until February 14th. And so they, they will work hard for those things, especially when they're not kids that have easy access to those things from their homes. So um, I started this year as well, refocused behavior activities. Um, they are kind of like a, I don't really want to call it a packet, but it's a sit and think type thing. If it's a kid that maybe doesn't typically get in trouble, but I know they're kind of cruising for a suspension, we'll work on a refocused behavior activity. Why is this happening? You know, what happened? What can we do to improve this? And as long as they, answer the questions for me like they're really putting thought into it um we'll think about not 
going forward with a disciplinary action because maybe it's um, maybe it's something else that they need or maybe there's something I missed. I like to ask them their side of things before I just assume what they did was wrong. And so that's another thing I just started incorporating this school year. Um, the PBIS team in my building has been huge. We, when we get together, I use um, Google Forms to collect all of my data for behavior, and it's very, it's very easy to look at the graphs to see, you know, what, where is the behavior happening, how often is it happening. Um, so I'll get together with the PBIS team, and we, we like to look at, you know, what do our kids need, where can we help. One of the things we found recently was um, the beginning of the day, our kids are still pretty hyped up coming off the school buses, coming from breakfast with friends, and also um, we found that sixth period, when they're coming in from study hall, recess, and lunchtime, they're pretty hyped up. So we um, started incorporating mindful breathing and mindful music this school year, and we initially started off using it door during homeroom time, so for three minutes um, to start the day, mindful music plays over the loudspeaker in our building and it's three minutes for them to just calm themselves recenter themselves before they start the school day and our most of our teachers even participate in this and um, when we looked at our pbis data we noticed that six period was a big area of um, some disciplinary problems so we started incorporating mindful music six period and we started that um, looking at that toward the end of October and sixth period was our biggest area of um, behavior problems and that's dropped 15% since October just by incorporating mindful music. It's not really necessarily that they're meditating but it's just quiet time to just help the teachers and the kids calm down, you get regrouped to start the afternoon and we've even had teachers say thanks for doing that, that's really helped, even my class, even my best class sometimes, I had to tell them three or four times to get quiet and we're able to just start class now. I actually have, um, this group didn't even know I was coming, this teacher actually uses a um, flexible seating model. So you'll see them sitting at different levels in different areas, but you'll notice her in the back of the room participating and all the kids in the class. This is our mindful breathing and mindful music in the morning. So we do that for about three minutes, and we're right now we're incorporating in the morning and the afternoon. Um, I think that's that's all I have. We uh, I wanted to say we do have an app that we use for that that's free. If anyone's interested, we can tell you at the end. Thank you. Hi, I'm uh, Susan Monticelli. I'm the school counselor. And funny story for any school counselors out there, Mr. Watkins told me I could have a minute and a half of mindful music. <laughs> And also, I was his English teacher years back, so um, I... And the only say I had today was I color-coordinated our outfits. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
So I slowly started adding like five seconds on because I'm the one that does the music and he had no idea and the guilt was overwhelming me at sixth grade camp. And so I was telling some of the other teachers and they were like, just keep doing it, don't tell him. And so then finally when I got up to like two minutes, 30 seconds without him knowing, one morning I said, I feel really terrible, I need to tell you the truth about something and he's like, what? I said, I've been sneaking seconds onto the music. <laughs> but anyway, now so, now we, so now we're up to three minutes. And we're staying there. Okay. It's total, though. So um, what I have up here for you, I, at the beginning of the school year, um, I do a school-wide needs assessment. I'm sure most counselors do. One of the things I noticed um, was over on the left, um, the kids, uh, well, first of all, sorry, up here at the top, I have a link off of our middle school web page to my web page. Then I have a hyperlink right in the middle of it. Click to refer yourself um, or a student to my office. So the kids, that's how the kids let me know they need to come and see me. And I just made a Google form with different things on it. The things they can pick from, anger, anxiety, bullying, family home, all the way down to even other. Parents can access this from home. Teachers use this as well. There's a scale of one to five, how urgent is the issue. The teachers go over this with the kids like the first couple days, um, but then I do the needs assessment, and so we saw at the beginning of the year, my numbers are so small, I need my glasses. Mm -hmm. um, however many it was, whatever, in the 15% of the kids still said they didn't know how, so I called those kids in one and two at a time, had them open their Chromebooks, had them go through it so that we're sure that every kid in our building knows how to see the counselor if they need to. Um, Another big thing in our building, I'm kind of all over the place on the bottom here, this, I don't feel connected. We know that the research shows that if a kid is connected to an adult, a positive role model, they are way less likely um, to have behavior problems and really to the dropout rate decreases incredibly. So we survey our kids at the beginning of the year. At the beginning of our year, out of some, thank you. Okay, that's way better. Some 400 and some students we have, 39 of those students did not feel connected. I don't do the needs assessment until like second week of November. And so then I put out those names to our teachers and our teachers basically target those kids. They go out of their way to try to make a connection with those kids. The last time I checked in with the kids was the first week we got back from Christmas break and I continue to monitor that. Our goal is to reach them all by the end of the year. Um, we had five in our building that are not saying that they're connected to someone. So maybe they switched to a different special class, maybe one of those teachers got to them, but that's, that's something that I'm pretty proud of in our building. Um, I put 41 students marking at least two of the following. So on that needs assessment, we basically screen for um, depression um, and a lot of other things, but um, kids who mark two or more of sad and depressed, lonely and hopeless, and so forth, um, we pulled all of those kids in, met with them individually. Um, when I say we, I pulled them in. Um, sometimes these two will help me if there are too many, and Mrs. Urban, our school-based therapist. And um, we called parents for all those kids, connected them possibly to just meeting with me more regularly, or um, did paperwork, intake paperwork um, for Mrs. Urban. Um, the helping myself feel good, self-esteem, and making friends, I cross-checked those two questions and put together what I 
spend a lot of my time working with self-esteem. So these are some of the psychoeducational groups that I run in the school. I have um, Soul Misters and Soul Sisters. Soul stands for Strong, Outgoing, Unstoppable, and Loving. It was my knockoff of rocks because it's free. Um, and I have 61 Soul Sisters right now and 15 Soul Misters. And um, my Soul Sisters go once a month to a local nursing home and we polish nails and we kind of just like spread positivity. Um, and the boys try to fix things around the school and whatnot, not to be stereotypical. Um, I also run grief and loss group. Last nine weeks, I had 15 kids in that. Anger management, first semester, nine kids. Currently, right now, um, I have 10 kids in that group. I run a monthly incarcerated parent support group. We had 20 students marked that they had issues with incarcerated parents. Um, 10 of those kids did not want to participate, which is fine. I still check on them, but the other 10 meet once a month, and they're incredible with each other. Mrs. Urban helps me with that. Um, oops. And then I also... Ah! Okay, I also... Um, I know I'm a hot mess for some reason. I also um, took over, I, I was at the high school for 21 years before I came to the middle school. It's my fifth year at the middle school. So I took over FTA, Future Teachers of America, a club at the high school that nobody wanted, and basically saw it as a way to get free tutoring for the middle school students. So I think I have around uh, 25 high school students who leave the high school on Fridays over the lunch block. They come to the middle school and they tutor our middle school kids in the art room. We have um, 35 middle school students meeting weekly with positive high school role models and they talk to them about their week and they help them with missing assignments, IXL, Matthew, and so forth. So that's something we have going on. Okay, whoops. What do you Okay, the last thing is um, the Mindful Mondays. I created a Google Classroom and um, I made a bunch of different sections. So I put up here the one section, it has 95 kids in it, but all the kids are in a section somewhere with the teacher. And then we went and every, so there are enough lessons to go for an entire semester every single Monday. The teachers do this during our AA period and I uploaded some of the, like, the Mind Up curriculum in there. So, like, the first Mindful Monday, the kids learn about the brain, the three parts of the brain and how we have to have that, our lid closed for our brain to work. And then they have all kinds of different activities each, each week. Um, we teach them about square breathing, power breathing, what they can do during the Mindful Music. I connected with EverFi. It's a free service you can get at your school. I have that connected into the Google Classroom for some of that SEL, um, some of those social-emotional lessons. And then our school also is big on the seven habits of highly effective teens. So the last seven Mondays of the Mindful Mondays is giving the sixth, seventh, and eighth graders a little glimpse of what each of those seven habits are. And then our eighth graders all go through a, um, an elective class their eighth grade year with me that's a nine weeks long that is an intensive study of the seven habits of highly effective teens. And then our school-based therapists, well, this is a picture of our office, which is fabulous. Um, <laughs> Uh, Mrs. Urban is in where the little door is cracked. That's my office straight back. We're fortunate enough 
to have that much space. I know that's kind of rare, but we run our groups right there. We get, we secure grant money however we can. Um, literally, like I ask random people I meet that I think might want to give me some money. That's how I got those beanbag chairs, true story. Um, and we do all of that stuff in our office. And then she has her stuff. Hi, I'm uh, Cheryl Urban. I'm a, I've been a clinical therapist now for 33 years. And so often I get the question, what are you doing back in a middle school? Um, I've went all over the place. I worked in a college. I worked in um, an elementary setting for about 12 years. And then I decided I wanted to do something more intensive. So I actually am employed by the Village Network. Um, we're an agency, a mental health agency across Ohio, um, as well as um, in, in Pittsburgh and um, Pennsylvania and West Virginia as well. Um, so about five years ago, uh, Claymont Schools, we had a lot of their students. I was running a day treatment group, and I see one of my co-therapists here, so shout out to Mel Baker back there. Um, they approached us because we had a lot of their students that would come to us at the end of the school day, and I was working, obviously, um, we are in Eurexville, Ohio, our agency, um, which is a, a, you know, small, a small town on the edge of Appalachia. Um, and so we found a real need. Um, most of the mental health agencies in our county are located up in New Philadelphia and Dover. So there was a real need down in that area um, for a mental health agency. Five years ago, Claymont Schools approached us. I think they were actually ahead of the game and asked us if we might be interested in coming in the school and working with them in collaboration and providing um, school-based therapy. Because what I found is often we have, you know, when I was back in the agency, lots of no-shows, people don't show up, don't, uh, parents or caretakers, most of my kids do not live with uh, their parents, um, we're not bringing them. There was a really, there's a high no-show rate. So getting out into the schools allows us to be there, and we know that we have, we have that audience, that captive audience, and the kids are going to be there. So five years ago, we started. I went to every school in the district. I covered all of them. That quickly changed, uh, especially the middle school uh, has been very welcoming. <coughs> They saw a need there. The kids are right at the cusp of, of ad, you know, their adolescence, a lot of different things going on. And so now I currently have three days only at the middle school. And I work, I'm still one day at the high school. And we have two other now uh, therapists from our agency that go to the um, elementaries and the intermediate school. So it has grown. Um, we have a great collaboration with Claymont Schools. They have been welcoming. The teachers in the middle school, the staff in the middle school has been incredible in uh, working with me. I try to keep in mind always that it is a school and that my job is to try to keep the kids in school, attending school, and being successful. Um, the Village Network is a trauma-based um, uh, agency, so we know that I would say, I looked last year, I would believe 89% of my clients um, had a, had a diagnosis of PTSD, post-traumatic uh, post stress disorder. So a lot of times in the classroom, that's going to look like ADHD, uh, anxiety, depression, bipolar. But we know that it's some of the things that they have endured um, during their life. I have many kids who, as uh, Mrs. Monticelli talked about, have uh, parents that are incarcerated. Um, 
We have, you know, kids, drugs is a huge problem. So I've had kids who, you know, I had a boy that I worked with once that had found his mom dead on the toilet of a drug overdose. So they are greatly impacted by um, the opiate crisis um, in our area. Um, and so the kids are the ones often that pay the price. So we know that they wake up in the morning um, and their brains, if we did a scan of their brain, it would light up in different areas. So we know that they wake up and their lid of emotional thinking is already about half open. They're very reactive. They have to be on guard for bad things that are going to happen next because that's what has happened their entire life. Um, serial boyfriends, different kinds of things. Um, so we found what I've discovered across the years is that I was teaching coping tools and mindfulness skills. I'm very into mindfulness and I believe in it and it does work, but they weren't able to get, they weren't able to use those coping tools until I was able, I kind of used my hand with them as a, a picture of their brain. And this is the thinking part, but often they're, they flip very easily. They're very reactive and very easily triggered. So what I've started at the end of last year and this year is really working on teaching lid closers and also teaching them to the teachers so that they can incorporate that into the classroom as well. So it's really very sensory based. You know, if just for example, I will have them look around um, and they're saying this inside their head. They'll look around and they'll label five things that they see and then they'll, they'll touch four different things and label it in their head. They'll listen for three. They might smell two. And the taste one sometimes, uh, Mrs. Monticelli and I have mints. We have different things in our office um, that can help them be mindful, being present in the moment. Because when our lid is closed, we can learn, we can be a good friend, and we can problem solve. But until we can get them to close their lid. So I will teach the lid closers, and now they're starting to use in the classroom. Um, Zen doodling, a small drawing, just holding an object and being able to notice things about it, noticing things in the moment. Um, sit where they're sitting, let's say they're becoming dysregulated in the classroom, knowing where their feet are, where their arms are, where their bottom is, where their back is. You only need about 15 or 30 seconds for them to be able to close their lid. So it's, you got to get them to buy into it. And um, once, once they see that that helps them learn to self-regulate, they, they really start, start using it more. They love the alphabet game. I'll have them think of a category like food. And you know, uh, what starts with an A? Apple. What starts with a B? Banana. And I said, by the time you get to about F, your lid's going to be closed, and you're going to be able to stay in the classroom. Um, so, uh, that's, so we're trying to incorporate that in. Um, Beyond that, I get my referrals from the guidance, uh, from the Mrs. Monticelli, who works with all the staff, and then I have to do an intake uh, with the students. Um, they're either, um, you know, different ways that, different avenues that we find um, that, that they can cover, and we're out of time. So I appreciate everything, and thank you. Hi, I'm Jenny Pelko. I'm the assistant uh, superintendent for Strongsville City Schools, and I think Claymont did a wonderful job explaining a lot of the details um, and the, the activities that they have within their schools. And I could probably say we do a lot of that as well. Um, and you know, I, I think as I was hearing you talk, it, it reminds me of just it's it's all about the moments. It's continued practice. It's continued things to try that can work for all students. And 
Um, my journey with social-emotional learning and mental health started when I became, well, started when I was a teacher as well, but really when I became an administrator. And for the student that gets kicked out of the classroom or that is struggling on any given day, I, as an assistant principal, I was the one that had to go figure it out, you know, figure out what's going on with the student and try to get them to go back to class. And so, you know, I didn't really have any training for that. Um, so I had to learn a lot um, quickly on the job and learn about, you know, kids in foster care, kids that are incarcerated, kids that come from broken homes, kids that have anxiety and learn a lot about a lot of things and to try to help serve all students. And as Dr. Kathy McFarland was talking this morning, I felt like I, I had that parallel life as a principal. You know, you really wanted to reach everyone and help everyone. Um, and so part of um, the thing that I am charged with in our district, district is social-emotional learning. And so I'm going to talk a little bit about a district perspective and how you need to have the right system in place in order to support the work of the counselors and the therapists and the teachers and everybody else. And so a little bit about Strongsville is there for you. Um, you know, so many people will say, well, you don't have a high economically disadvantaged rate. You know, it's easier for you to do this. I will tell you, we are getting more and more students that you know, whatever their issue is, even if they're an AP pathway student, they are still struggling with certain things. And so um, I'm not here to say ours is easier, or yours is more difficult, or vice versa, but just to talk a little bit about the system that we have in place. And the, I, I'm a visual person, so I have pictures throughout, um, and just some of the work that my staff has been doing um, with students. I love this one here. They were talking growth mindset, and how can you equate something that maybe you practice like I'm I'm I do gymnastics and my goal is to do you know I don't I'm, I wasn't a gymnast but how, how to do it you know a, a flip or whatever and how did I go about doing that and then the teacher would say okay how do you equate that then to math what does it require for you in math then to be able to reach your goal and practice and perseverance and all that um, and so they just our teachers are doing some some really great things how do I yeah, just, just, okay and so I wanted to show you a little bit about what we're doing in Strongsville. So our old academic plan was all about, okay, do we have our common assessments in place? Are we doing, you know, our, our curriculum maps in place? And we focused a lot on that, and we flipped it this year. We started with a portrait of a graduate. Many of you probably have something similar where we're focused on skills. But as we go through that, ours are innovative, resilient, collaborative, global, and empowered. But as you look at the descriptors of this, and it's online, if you Google Strongsville City Schools, you're welcome to look at it. Um, a lot of this directly relates to social-emotional learning. You know, how can we help students? How can we create the opportunities within the classroom for our students to be more resilient, to be in charge of their learning? And so that is our guiding force, um, our guiding document this year. And it, I think it gives teachers permission to say, okay, so I don't just have to teach math every single day. I can embed some of these opportunities and skills within my classroom, and that's okay. Yes, that is great. Please do more of that. Um, universal design for learning is another area that I oversee. We have implemented this as kind of our framework for learning. So if you're not familiar with UDL, I highly encourage you to, to look it up and try to start something with that because it really does create learners who are purposeful, motivated, resourceful, knowledgeable, strategic, and goal-oriented. And that is what we want. And in order for kids to be that way, they need to be given opportunities to allow them to connect to real world, authentic learning. 
They need to be given opportunities to collaborate in the classroom and work together. They need to learn how to give and get feedback appropriately and not feel bad. They need to be coachable. And so UDL is all about creating a learning environment in a proactive way that's going to meet the needs for all learners. And when we do that, when we allow them to assess in different ways, when they allow them, we allow more choice, it immediately takes that stress and anxiety off. You mean I don't have to just take this one test, this one way that doesn't work for me, and that's my grade? I can, I can do a project? I can do something else? Yes. Whatever works for you so that we can assess the learning is important to us. We follow CASEL's um, competencies for social-emotional learning, and I think the state of Ohio has also adopted this framework, so it, it blends well. Um, and again, it just this all ties with our model Mustang and UDL. It all kind of goes together. And then this year, we've also incorporated culture with our adults, because it really does start with our adults. How can we tell kids to be more resilient when we as adults get frustrated with them and are not resilient in, in that? And so we have implemented, if you're familiar with R factor or Focus 3 training, um, where E plus R equals O, what is it that you want? You know, how do you, what's the event that you have? And how can you respond appropriately to get to that outcome? And so we're really training our adults right now to be, you know, to think that way. And so a lot of our adults are immediately taking it to the kids, which the kids get it like that. You know, I know my daughter, my daughter gets, I'm always like, what is the outcome you want? And so she now uses it with me. Mom, what is the outcome that you want? You know, you're not being very disciplined right now by yelling at me. So, um, so this is our, our culture handbook where we want to pursue excellence, be our best, build strong connections. And I think like the governor was talking about, we may not always see those moments and all the work and everything that we put into it. But in the end, it's those small moments that will get everybody to, to reach their goals. So um, I'm not going to take too much time here, um, but how, how do we do it? I would say a ditto to a lot of what you shared, um, but we believe that it takes everyone. It just does not, it's not the counselor's job. It's not the psychologist's job. It's everybody's job to teach social-emotional learning and to help our students become all of the things I just talked about. It doesn't have to be so complex. You heard mindful music. You heard different, you know, different strategies. There's so many things out there. Try something. Start somewhere um, to make it um, a priority. Um, embedding SCL into existing lessons. I know that Wendy Sad and Mary, I can't remember her last name, are out there at the fair with collaborative classrooms. They do a phenomenal job and they can bring PD for free. They can give you resources for free. They came and did a PD with our teachers of how do I actually take a math lesson and embed SCL into it so I can kind of kill two birds with one stone. Um, and they do a phenomenal job. So they're, they're a great resource, collaborative classrooms. Um, we do SEL in multiple ways. You know, I'll, I'll talk about that in a minute. It's not a one-size-fits-all approach. You know, we, and that's sometimes where teachers' minds go. You know, wait a minute. Do we all have to do morning meetings? Do we all need to do a certain way thing? No. What is going to work for your kids, your classroom, or your child? So just make sure that there's variety. And through our model Mustang, we have allowed autonomy for buildings. Figure out what works for you. Figure out how that's going to work. And I will tell you the creativity and the thoughtfulness and the things that they're doing are amazing, better than I could have even thought of. So allowing for that for, for different people. And again, reflection is key. What worked? What didn't work? How can we do it better? 
Um, DESA, I know, is out there. That's another thing that we use. It's to um, try to survey how our kids are doing, how we create groups, kind of like you guys shared. Um, we do second step lessons, which I think is now adopted by the state as well, um, K through eight. Those are phenomenal. They also have lessons for parents and lessons for the teachers to actually do within their curriculum. Great program. Um, I'm not getting a kickback from any of that. So, um, Create individual action steps. Again, they talked uh, about a lot of this stuff, but like we do some of these things as well. I have some examples of the yoga stations of videos I'll show you here. Um, you know, I know that our, our one building is doing resilience stories. So they found books on t characters exhibiting resilience. And so the teacher would bring that into the classroom, read the story. And then when they were in math, she would say, remember Mary from our story? Remember how she persevered and she was resilient? That's what we do here. And, and kind of bring that back in. And so again, just um, sharing through various means. Every week I send out, I call it a UDL shout out where I highlight a teacher and I share the practices that they're doing, but now I've also tied in SCL on purpose. You know, here's how it all kind of works together. So anytime you can make those connections that it's not one more thing as a teacher I've got to do, it kind of goes with maybe what you're already doing and making a few tweaks. That's how you kind of get people on board with that. And again, opportunities for kids to practice what they're learning. If we, if we do lecture all the time and they're not talking to each other, they're not going to practice on how to build those relationships, how to navigate those things, which is really important. And so just quickly, I have a couple examples. I talked about the, um, I think these are, this is a yoga station, so we have a student here talking about that. Another purpose of this is, um, so if you're like in a bad mood, like if you're, if you're stressed out about a like, math problem or something, you remember this and then you do one of these poses and because today I learned that if you if you do uh, exercises, you're willing to learn more. And then we have also, um, we did um, zones of regulation, many of you may have heard of that. I'm in the green zone. Why are you in the green zone? Because I am, I am happy. You're happy today? Yeah. All right. And so again, just, um, again, this is an example down here. I'll just highlight this one. Of kids, this is a kindergarten classroom where kids go around with a clipboard with what they need to do. So instead of sitting at their seats doing a worksheet, they're able to monitor themselves around the room, go to different stations. Just that movement and getting up, that's part of what UDL is all about. Um, and then some examples of them collaborating and working together. So those were the elementary. I know somebody before this asked about secondary examples, so we have one here. Um, this is a project-based learning project that... Uh, I feel like the pros is outweighed by the risk. Like, it's not worth the risk, so it's not a very important thing. And, like, also... So they had to work in groups in that one. Oops. They had to work in groups, and they, were, they had to get feedback from each other of how they were doing. And so you could see that she, like, stumbled, and then right after that, they all helped her kind of um, get through it. Um, the math example, how to learn math, you know, we, we learn a new skill. We fail. We make a mistake. We try again. Mistakes are encouraged. Um, these are... Um, 
like a blackout poetry they're called. So it allows students to express themselves artistically. How, how creative can you be? It allows creativity, it reduces stress. Here's a whole thing to read. If you just sat that in front of somebody and said, just read this and tell me the important parts. But when the, you give them something else to do on top of it and just open the words that are important to you and draw a picture that's meaningful for you, it, you know, for a student that struggles with reading, that is a huge stress relief, and that is part of, of what we try to do. And then the top there is kids go around and um, put post-it notes on other kids' work and say, how, how about you try this, or I really like this part. And so giving feedback in a non-threatening way for them to revise and redo and really learn material. Again, when we talk about stress and anxiety, it, it really does help. And so, again, we're just trying to do it from a district perspective and then kind of go down to, to specific strategies. So I, will, I think we're running out of time a little bit. So if you have questions, I'll stick around after if you have anything to ask. Good morning. Uh, my name is Molly Walker. I am the Director of Social Emotional Learning and Measurement for Hilliard City Schools, uh, west side of Columbus. Um, here's our demographics if you want to take a look at us. Um, our journey, I feel like we've been on the journey to try and figure out the whole child for a while. Um, as a district, this is kind of our, our guiding um, idea is that where academics, interests, and mindset come together, that's where our students will be ready for tomorrow. So we've really been trying to kind of put our arms around this whole child for a while. Um, and so my my position was actually born out of we were trying to find a way to measure it. How do you talk about it, measure it, guide your work, see what's going on? Um, so I was doing data and assessment at the time. And so from that work, I got to keep data and assessment. And then we added social emotional learning on top of that. Um, so down here in the mindset circle is really where my work um, on those pieces lives. So we have a little different structure than some of the other uh, districts that I've seen. Uh, I actually have a counterpart who is the director of student well-being. Um, his focus is really with counselors, nurses, mental health, school safety, suicide prevention, um, higher tiered SEL pieces, which is good because that's not really my background. So high school math teacher, um, I love kids, I want to see them all be successful. Counseling, suicide prevention is not my piece. So it's really good that we have those. So my focus is really, what is a general ed teacher doing? What are we doing everywhere, tier one, um, for every student? I'm not mentally health focused. Um, we believe, as we've said up here before, um, counselors don't own SEL. And we're not going to get anywhere if they're the only ones that own it. Um, our focus is really what is every teacher doing every day in every classroom to try and build those pieces. So we um, sat down as a group, and these are the six areas that we have chosen to focus on. Um, we, we feel like the castle pieces are addressed through here, uh, but our teachers kind of like the way this is set up, the, the wording of it. Um, talking with parents, they kind of get these words a little bit sometimes better than some of the others. Um, but grit, growth mindset, sense of belonging, emotional regulation, compassion, and hope. That's what we want our kids to have before they leave. Um, and so a district our size, you know, we're really trying to move about 1,200 staff <laughs> when we go through these. So we've tried to be kind of methodical about it, um, set it up for success, take it one step at a time. So we do use um, a student survey to kind of drive our work. That's one thing that I've learned in this position over the last couple of years. We don't ask kids enough. And I can't say that any, any, any more emphatically, we don't ask them enough. Um, so this is an example of some of one of the, the dashboards on our survey. And what we took a look at and noticed was sense of belonging was a great opportunity for growth. Um, we felt like that was a nice beginning spot. 
Um, when, when the relationships and the sense of belonging is there, then we can get at some of those other pieces. And so that's what we decided to focus on. Um, so we as a district right now for the SEL um, world are focused on sense of belonging. Um, I'm kind of hoping if we just keep supporting that and hitting that, we're going to make some progress on that. So we really want all of our students to say, I feel connected, supported, safe, and valued in all situations. And we're looking at that from the two-prong, from the um, teacher-student relationship, but also student-to-student -student relationship. Those are kind of the two areas that we're taking a look at. So, um, as Dr. McFarland talked about this morning, um, this is kind of our slogan that we're trying to get across um, to people. Every student, every teacher, every classroom, every day, doing something related to sense of belonging because that's how that's built. Um, so what that looks like at the different levels. Uh, at the secondary level, what we're really trying to move to is building that community each period of the day. Your first period class feels like a community. Your third period class feels like a community. I feel like all secondary teachers have had that one class in their schedule where they're like, man, this class is awesome. The kids get it. We're rocking. We're having a great time. And our goal is to have that every period. It shouldn't be by accident. You just happen to have the right number of kids. Um, sense of belonging doesn't happen by accident. It happens intentionally. And that's what we're really trying to grow. Um, elementary level, what we took a look at the data, and it's funny because what the data says is that our elementary kids love their teachers. They think they are rock stars. Not so cracked about their peers. Um, the peer relationships are where they struggle a little bit with that. Um, and so we're looking at those pieces. Elementary people, way more bought on than our secondary folks, um, as you can probably imagine. But these are kind of the things that we're looking at um, with those responsive classrooms, restorative um, practices, looking at how does emotional regulation pay in, play into that um, as far as the peer relationships between our kids at elementary. So secondary, I think, is what everybody asks about. So I do have a secondary example. We're trying to build um, resources of our teachers doing the work, you know, trying to say, hey, um, you see all this national stuff, but here's what's happening right here in our district. So hopefully this won't take very long. And hopefully 60 minutes won't, um, won't come out for me. Let's try this one more time. I'm Cassidy Dyer. I teach English at Hilliard Bradley. A few weeks ago, I decided to start doing something called Fam Fridays. And I kind of got the idea from our resident educator meetings because we played games to start off and it made me feel a lot more comfortable in our meetings. And I assumed that that would be, it would have the same effect on the students. So it's Fam Fridays. For me to like an activity, what I pick is something that gets them up and moving around the room because I think that physically moving makes them more comfortable in the space I've seen. And also, when they move around the room, they talk to new people and they're forced to go interact with other students that maybe they wouldn't normally interact with. And I think that that helps them also to feel more comfortable in this space when they know everyone. I've definitely seen benefits so far. When we finish the activity, the shift is actually kind of easy because they're excited and talking to one another still about the activity a little. And I'm like, all right, let's get started with class. And they're ready to jump right in and participate. And they're more willing to answer questions and be vocal because they've kind of warmed that up a little bit by talking to each other and moving around the room. The students who are really quiet are super hesitant and it might make them uncomfortable at first and something that I've taken on as my role is kind of 
looking to other students who are more vocal and saying, hey, they haven't talked to somebody. Maybe you should go talk to them. And Andy has shoes and jewelry, so you guys should go compare. Helping guide that interaction is important because not all of them are going to be able to jump right in. It's not their comfort zone. So I think it's important as the teacher to guide that. Today, I have adapted a little bit an activity that I found that was called Passions Tic-Tac-Toe, and I've called it Interests Tic-Tac-Toe. And basically, the students fill out a little grid where they're going to write nine things that they care about or that are important to them. It could be anything that you love. So some examples of things that I have are like, I love my family, right? I love cats. I love teaching. So it could be actions or things or people, all right? So take like two minutes and fill out your boards, and after those two minutes, I'll explain the game to you, okay? And they're supposed to be kind of relatable. I tell them that, but I don't tell them what the activity is until they've filled it in. So spend the first few minutes thinking about things that they care about, which I think already kind of sets the tone that like they're important, which is why I really like this activity. And we're going to play a game called Interests Tic-Tac-Toe, and I've already filled out my board. So essentially the goal is to find common interests with other students by looking at each other's tic-tac-toe boards. They'll have a student that they have a similar interest with they will sign their name on it and then they'll sign the other person's so that they're trying to get three in a row. Gotten super into it and really excited to go find somebody else and they like huddle around people and they're like, what do you have? Well, what do you like? Do you like cats? Are you interested in this? Anyone have cats or dogs? So I want them to be able to talk to new people and get to know everyone, not just their friends. So we talk about that not everyone has to be all in with that every day to start with. Um, we talk about some easy entry points that everyone can do no matter what what's going on in your classroom. Um, and it sounds silly, but every time you research or you take a look at it, using students' names and pronouncing them correctly. We talk all the time about do we have kids in our schools, especially our secondary schools, that could go all day long and never hear their name. So if we talk about kids feeling seen and heard and they never hear their name, that's impactful. Mm -hmm. So just trying to do that little piece there, we feel like is going to add to this to really build those pieces. Greeting students at the door, um, again, talking about that one time that you don't, kids notice. Um, it's an easy thing, but it's important. Um, using things you don't understand is an opportunity. We talk about this a lot. Has anyone said, oh my gosh, why do you have five earrings? What is that about? Or saying, wow, tell me about your five earrings. What message do we send in our unconsciousness as far as what do we understand and what do we not understand and what tone do we set? Um, finding ways to see each student. When we talk to teachers, they'll say they know a lot about their high need academic kids. They know a lot about their just high need kids. But we've got this group in the middle that do okay. Academically, we're not hunting them down. They're compliant. But what's going on with them? Are they seen? Are they heard? So again, finding ways to say their name, to acknowledge them, to get to know them, being intentional. And really, that's what you're going to hear over and over again, is being intentional. Because these are things that teachers do already. But maybe they're not intentional about all year. Maybe they're not intentional about every kid. It's really that intentionality. And then really being aware of experiences that are different from your own. Um, I'm sure we're not unique in that our student or our staff does not reflect the lives that many of our kids are living. 
Um, they're not growing up in the houses that our teachers grew up in. So really understanding that they're having a different experience than you are and acknowledging that and giving that that it's due and not saying, well, I don't understand the things that we've talked about, the pencils, the, you know, that, why don't you have your homework? But just really recognizing that they're not growing up in the suburbs that some of our teachers did. Um, so some things to keep in mind that we try to, again, in that intentionality, so as you talk about that, what does that look like? So um, we talk about that it's not built through events. And that's kind of like the first layer, I feel like, as we talked about this as a district, that was the first thing, is our administrators were all bought in and they were ready to do the events. Um, but we've kind of talked about, I'm sure you've had that discussion about education has changed. Um, we're no longer preparing kids to go to the factory where we needed to do lines and rows and that kind of thing. We've got to prepare them for a different world. Um, and I feel it's the same way socially. Schools are no longer about sock hops and pep rallies. I mean, I'll be honest, at high school, sometimes it's hard to drag kids to the pep rallies. They don't want to go. Um, and so that's not building connection. So it's not the luau's and the dances and that kind of stuff, especially for some of our kids that can't attend or won't attend. You're definitely not building it there. Um, so it's not event driven. It's every day connecting over time. Um, and that's the next piece is that it truly takes time. A lot of our teachers will talk about they do this, they do those connections, they get kids to know each other, they play the name game. First three days of school, check it off, we're ready to roll. Everyone feels comfortable and, and good. Not really. It takes time. True connection takes time. So again, we get to that intentionality. Are you being intentional daily with this piece? Or are you doing it the first couple days and checking it off? Um, don't make assumptions, and we've kind of talked about this piece a little bit already, um, but that idea that we don't ask kids enough, and that's kind of what we find, and I know that I was very guilty of it as a teacher. We have kids that have gone through our district K-12 and don't know their classmates, don't know their names, or we think as teachers that we can pick out the kids that are having a rough day or having a rough time. And especially by the time they get to the secondary, their ability to put that mask on and not let you in is very, very good. They've learned to play the game. And so we can't pick them out as they walk in. Oh, you've got an issue, we'll put you over here. You look like you're okay, you can come to this side of the room. Um, and that's part of our struggle is that um, as we survey our kids, some of our teachers don't necessarily believe the data is true. Now they do believe that the kids are interacting more um, online than in person. They know anxiety is on the rise. They know suicide's on the rise, but we can't quite get them to understand that they can't pick out what's going on behind the mask as they walk in the room. So we talk a lot about don't assume. Just something as little as don't assume they know everybody's names because they don't. <laughs> Um, you know, picking up on classroom cues, we kind of talk about this too. I know that when I, you know, when I taught, I taught in a great district. Um, I had, you know, AP kids and I said, "Woo, group work day, man, we are rocking it. Look at this. Everybody is doing a great job. And as I step back to look, when they chose the groups, for the most part, they did. They did rock them out. But when I chose the groups, they'd end up with someone they didn't know, may not even known their name, and the group work level was not the same. And so recognizing where you have groups and clusters and where you don't, and then being purposeful, again, to kind of build those connections. Um, it, it's, it does wonders for the kids and the academics that go on in there. Um, when you ask a class, I had a, a teacher who said to me, you know, hey, I did my three days, you know, we, we did the activities, we're, we're rocking it, um, and then we put that away and we started it, and I asked my first question, and um, silence. Nobody said a word. 
well, you're not done building the, the, the community. If kids are not willing um, to step up and, and, and be wrong in front of each other, then there's not belonging in that classroom. And again, we just got to keep at it. It's going to take a while. It's going to take that. But look at that cue. Listen to what your students are trying to tell you with that. Um, and then think about your own belonging situations. Um, I can't keep a job, so I've been in like four different districts. I feel like I've been, you know, year one, seven or eight times. And it's hard. I feel like personally it takes me about three years to feel like I know who my people are. I feel comfortable. I know what the, what the rules are. And we expect kids to do it in three days. And so just truly understand, you have that too. And you experience that as well. And so why would we expect our kids to be any different? So those are kind of, again, just kind of guiding things to help people be more intentional. Um, and there we go. perfect timing. So questions for uh, Eddie, thank you very much for your time. And then uh, anyone has questions? I don't know how we're handling that. So. <laughs> Insight timer. Yeah. The question was, what um, app do we use? Go ahead. Go ahead. Insight timer. Yeah. It'll have guided imagery on there. It'll have you can time meditations. It'll have music. You can pick categories. Uh, the kids love it because they can see it has maps that shows people that are using it all over the world, so they really buy into it. And it's free. Insight Timer. There's a couple different apps that come up when you plug that in your app store. It has like a little brown bull um, is the one that we use. You know, and I will say before we get to your question, just about that, as, as a building um, administrator, we, we had a tough time getting everybody to buy into that Mindful Music when it first started. Um, and we had, we had to go to some of the classrooms and say, and Mrs. Monticelli would get on the announcements and say, your feet should be on the floor, your back against your seat. You know, she, we would have to do that the first couple times. And even we had to talk to our teachers at, at staff meetings before we got everybody. And then, like Mrs. Henry said, then the teachers came to us to start at sixth period after lunch. So it, it took less than a year for them to completely buy in. And our school psychologist is in our building in the mornings doing um, intakes and evaluations and things. And he actually came in the office the one day and said, I love starting my morning here to sit there for three minutes and just listen to that soothing music for a few minutes to get my day started. I'm, and I'm sorry, you had a question. Um, we have various things like that. I think one of our most powerful um, programs that we have, we have something called a class called Connections um, for students that you know are at risk but maybe not served in special education um, and have you know some really sad, sad stories, trauma, and all of that. And so what it really is is just making that connection um, with people that are maybe going through the things that I'm going through. And we've actually partnered with our community members who have been able to, like, mentor them. 
um, and we do programs, we do leadership, you know, skills and, and build into that. Um, as far as peer-to-peer programming, we do a leadership academy at our, at our high school um, for students that are new to the building. Um, and, you know, because we do have people, we've, what we've found is that students that are brand new to Strongsville, there is a culture there. I mean, you probably all have cultures in your building. And the culture seems to be not as accepting all the time. Um, you know, if you're not looking like me, acting like me, have the right clothes that I have on, you know. Um, and so it's taken a while for some assimilation to happen. And so to pair them with a friend that they can, you know, talk to. And so we do we do that as well. And then we also have just a, another leadership academy where we, we're teaching students how to be leaders. So we give them, like they did a color run last year. Um, how do you start from planning it to executing it. And I think through those relationships, you know, all different students are involved in that. Um, they get to work together. So it's trying to build other connections besides just maybe your own peer group. So I don't know if that answers your question. But. I'll also, I, I don't head it up, as I said, my counterpart does, but we have Hope Squad. So those are where we've trained um, secondary students for signs of suicide, and, and they are chosen by their peers, and essentially um, they will make referrals. Kids will talk to kids, and so um, they'll make referrals um, that then adults follow up on. So. Yeah, so that was, like, I talked about the autonomy of letting people be creative. Um, so one of my intervention specialists found the idea, who knows where, and said, we're going to make these yoga stations. So on, in the hallways at our one elementary building, they have put them up in, on bulletin boards. And so they, they, she went through and taught the classes that if you're feeling stressed or you're feeling anxious, here's the yoga station. So it's kind of like, if you think old school, if a kid's not behaving, I just send him out of the room. Now it's like, why don't you try the yoga station and come, come back when you're ready and so that's really what it is so there's different exercises they can do it was really cute seeing the kids like I'll do, I'm gonna do the warrior pose and so it was cute Absolutely. I can speak for Strongsville. Um, a lot of us have wellness programs, and so we've started that. Um, our PE teachers at our middle school, they're amazing, and they do wellness nights, and they brought in community services like boxing and yoga, and it, every week it's something different that you can go to. Um, but I think also through our culture and our R factor and our getting your mind right, you know, wrapping your mind around, if you're feeling stressed, how can you change the story you're telling yourself? So we're doing some of that as well, um, along with the typical, you know, healthy diet exercise kinds of things. I don't know if anybody else has something. We do several things in our building. Um, Mrs. Monticelli and I have done several PBIS trainings, and I guess you can kind of call it adult PBIS, but the staff in our building have totally bought into it, and they love it, and they live for it. Um, one of the things we do, we, it's called the Whoop Wheels, and we do Whoop Wednesdays, and uh, Mrs. Monticelli and I turn on, it's crazy, but the kids love it, and the teachers love it. Um, the song Whoop, there it is, and they hear us coming with the Whoop Wheels, and we hit up a couple teachers a week, and we go into their classrooms, they get to pick something off 
of the cart for their classroom. So it could be stress balls, it could be expo markers, um, you name it, it's on there. And then something for themselves, a granola bar, a bottled water, a little bag of chips. Um, and so when the kids hear us coming with the wimp wheels, by the time we get into the classroom, they're all in there dancing, <laughs> waiting to see what their teacher picks. Um, we also do um, gene day uh, passes for our teachers. They, they help out so much with different things, and so they'll just stop in our building or into the office, and um, we'll give them a gene day pass when they've helped with something. They really, really like that. And um, we do different things just throughout the year to just kind of keep the motivation alive and the excitement alive. So we did an, um, I planned an adult Easter egg hunt um, over uh, before Easter break last year. And um, I emailed them the night before and I said there are 20 eggs hidden throughout the building. The one egg has a Starbucks card in it. Happy hunting. And you would have thought they were a group of five-year-olds running through the building looking for the Easter. They, they had gene passes. Um, I'll cover your lunch duty today. And they could cash those in whenever. They love that. And um, yeah, a couple other things. <laughs> Yeah, we, uh, we also realize that that's important. So um, part of our, our contract for our student surveys is that we, student, we survey our staff as well. Um, so we, we survey them on their um, ability or th what they think their ability is to teach SEL. Um, we ask them about educating all students. So like here's an example that helps us then drive our professional development. Um, our teachers respond very overwhelmingly. They're all happy to, to work with kids from all different backgrounds. Um, but when the question is, what do you do when a sensitive issue of diversity arises, less than half of our teachers feel comfortable um, addressing that. So that kind of helps us know, well, we need to put some PD in there. Um, and then this spring, we'll be adding a staff sense of belonging survey. Um, so that not only asking our kids about their belonging and their, and their connection, but we're going to ask our staff as well.